Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton. It's time for the Friday afternoon live stream. I got Rod Babers alongside me. How you doing, Rod? Doing great man i'm doing great a lot of headlines to hit so uh it seems like i don't know it doesn't seem like an off season really so i like it i guess i guess when your team's really good everything's everything seems important so every headline seems that much more important uh well there was headlines this morning let's uh in late last night steve sarkeesian uh by all uh sources right now uh staying with the university of texas uh despite overtures from nick saban in alabama alabama still hasn't hired a coach Mike Norvell wow. also staying with Florida State. Eight Crazy. years, $10 million uh, for Norvell. Ooh. It's my understanding uh, Texas uh, and uh, Sarkeesian coming to an agreement at some point last night, uh, although no details are quite known yet. Uh, but uh, Sarkeesian uh, tweeting, his wife tweeting, Sarkeesian on the road this morning, already went by Bastrop High School this morning uh, as well. So, uh, he's on the road recruiting for the Longhorns. The Longhorns have uh, some some work ahead of them. We're waiting on Jade Barron to announce whether he's staying or going pro. We don't know that. They've got at least three official visitors coming in this weekend, uh, for two from the portal and one uh, from the high school ranks. And then also, you know, we're waiting on this defensive line coach uh, that we got to figure out yeah. who and where uh, Steve Sarkeesian is going to go with. I have talked to at least one of the recruits' parents. Uh, from the, that uh, situation, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that here uh, today as well. But, uh, Rod, you're right. A lot of news going from every which way. But let's start with what I think is the most important, and that's the idea that Steve Sarkeesian is staying in Austin. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I I wasn't worried. I know a lot of Longwood fans were, and I'm not judging those who were stressed out about it. Maybe it was something to be you know stressed out and anxious about. I thought that Texas was, you know, a place for Sark that right now, just right now, seemed to have as many, if not more advantages than even being at Alabama. Now, Alabama's been stacking classes for a long time. So talent-wise, yes, they have more talented depth in Texas. But in the new NIL era that we live in, that being the law of the land, uh, man, Texas <laughs> Texas can go uh, in the and go blow-to-blow blow with anybody in the Ormus race for the NIL in the NIL space. And I, that's a huge advantage these days. Uh, Sark is ahead of schedule, as I've talked about. And if you're ahead of schedule in your build of Texas, I mean, why would you leave? Now, if he wasn't ahead of schedule, let's say they didn't win the Big 12 this year and there was some doubt about Sark and, you know, and he, he didn't win double-digit games, didn't go to the college football playoff, then, hey, maybe there's a chance he may jump ship. But I mean, he 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 he's building it all right from the ground up, and he had already seen a lot of signs that Texas not only was ahead of schedule, but that Texas right now is on a trajectory potentially to keep this type of success and uh, maintain this type of success over time. So I did because of that. Joe Klatt told a great story, uh, and he's really close to Sark, and he's he's uh, got great sources that. Nick Saban wanted Sark to be his successor, that Nick Saban was really high on Sark and told him at one time, hey, I think you could be the guy uh, that could follow me. So Sark had an opportunity, if he wanted, to follow that path and to be the guy that followed Nick Saban. I don't I don't think Sark – no, I'm not saying that Sark was opposed to it, but in the position that Sark is in right now, I don't think Sark would have wanted that. I don't think he wanted it then, in my opinion. I think Sark wanted to build something on his own. I think he wanted to bet on himself. He did. That bet is paying off tremendously. We'll see what kind of dollar figures are behind that. Um, but, yeah, I think he wanted to build something. And I, I don't think he wanted his legacy, his legacy to be something that was built on the shoulders of Nick Saban's goatness. Right, not his greatness, his goatness. I think Sark because Sark respects Nick Saban. Nick Saban's a goat. I think Sark wanted to separate himself in a sense and start building something on his own. Um, so I, I think that's why I wasn't worried about it. And Danny Davis pointed out a great piece that he wrote. He did some rabbit holing. I mean, it's been 117 years 
says a coach has willingly left the University of Texas for another job. I, I'll get the quote. It says, last head coach to willingly leave Texas for another football gig was HR. I hope I pronounce his name correctly. Shanker. Shanker. He said that happened 117 years ago, back in 1907. Shanker left UT for Mercer. The Macon Telegraph reported at the time that Shanker chose to move from Austin to Georgia, quote, only because he doesn't like the West, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Different reasons, though. But uh, you don't leave the University of Texas. Man, nobody leaves that job for another job. The the BMDs at Texas, that pride would be so hurt if they lost out on what looks to be now the the coach of the the, the coach of the future for Texas football. It's like Sark's going to be here for a long time to come, building it the right way, building relationships the right way. Unlike Tom Herman before him, also getting the wins on the field. You know the culture where the guys they want to stay at Texas. You know right now he's checking all the boxes. There, there was no need for anybody uh, behind the scenes not to want to go all in and fully invest in Sark. I want to talk uh, next a little bit about recruiting, but before we do, I want to say thank you to our sponsor. Each and every Friday's live stream brought to you by Andy Ludicky at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Give Andy a shout, 404-973-9901, or email him at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking to do something new in the new year, uh, you want to give Andy and his group a call. They set you up and take you through the franchise ownership process and qualify you for it. Make sure that you're headed in the right direction with a new opportunity. Give Andy a shout. Again, 404-973-9901. I know uh, several people have uh, taken Andy up on this opportunity through On Texas Football. Uh, So we appreciate Andy for his sponsorship as well. All right, Rod, let's talk a little bit about NIL and recruiting because, look, three guys expected to make official visits to Texas this weekend. There's a possibility for a fourth, according to some reports. We are not reporting it, but that fourth person that hasn't been really named yet is Isaiah Bond, the wide receiver mm-hmm. from Alabama that caught the big, long touchdown pass uh, against Texas. Uh, he was their top receiver this year. Um, he apparently has put his name into the portal, according to published reports, and may be trying to visit Texas, according to the Alabama 24-7 site. Okay, We cannot confirm that at this point. Uh, and his name is not yet in the portal officially. Hmm. So until it's in the portal officially, you certainly can't have a, a, an official visit uh, ready to go. I mean, you can't, yeah. they, they can certainly be there once it happens, but there you can't do it before then. So I think it's a little premature since his name is not in the portal yet. It, and remember, yeah. Alabama has 48 hours to approve that before they say yes to that. Uh, that being said, that's the big news right now. Bond, however, did say he sub, uh, he has submitted his paperwork to go into the portal. He would be someone that would immediately jump to the top of Texas's list at wide receiver. He is a game changer uh, in that category. And they need him, right? I mean, Texas losing close to 80% of their passing game. Uh, and so the receiving game, part of the passing game, pretty much. We know Quinn Ewers is coming back, of course. Uh, but you're, you're losing – you know, all of your elite weapons, uh, pretty much X-Men, you know, JT Sanders, A.D. Mitchell. You can throw Jay Brooks in there as a part of it, too, in terms of him being a, a, a weapon in the, in the receiving game as a uh, as a receiver. But uh, I'm with you. I think they could use more proven commodities. Uh, that's what they're looking for, productivity in the transfer portal. Uh, you know, Matthew Golden, obviously, as they step forward in, in that capacity, it looks like if they can get, you know, some more of those guys, we've talked about the receivers are targeting in the transfer portal and we'll continue to do that. But uh, Isaiah Bond would be a, a big get. Uh, it's it's interesting. I'm, I'm getting conflicting information right now about uh, who's going where, whether uh, Washington is getting uh, Kalen DeBoer or Alabama is getting Kalen DeBoer at this point. Uh, so let's, uh, let's talk about that. Let's I don't do know for sure. I want to go back to the guys that are visiting this weekend. Uh, I got word this morning that Kendrick Blackshire, the linebacker out of Alabama, is expected to visit Texas this weekend after not knowing for sure whether that would happen. Also, wide receiver Silas Bolden out of um, uh, Oregon State will be on campus this weekend. Those are both uh, guys that may be not be mid-year transfers to the University of Texas. They may be summer transfers. And then we have Aaron Butler. 
the uh, wide receiver out of Calabasas, he's actually making making his official visit to Texas this weekend. So he already committed to Texas and signed with Texas. He's now making his official visit this weekend. Uh, so we'll see how that all turns out, uh, et cetera. But uh, long story short, Longhorns hosting at least three. We don't think Isaiah Bond, at least right now, is set to be one of them. All right. Um, is it did um just going back to the uh the young kid Aaron Butler? Had he taken an unofficial visit to Texas? No, he has uh, committed Butler. committed without ever coming to the university. Correct. Wow. Correct. That's uh, um, that's and so uh that that's one of those things that that we got to watch out. Uh, here's someone saying, uh, look, uh, uh, you know, Blackshare does not have great production. Ekim, you're right. He doesn't. He's a backup at Alabama. But uh, look, with David Benda coming back, Texas doesn't have another downhill linebacker really right now that's ready to go per se. Can Leonga LaFau get there in time for next fall? Maybe. Uh, but we'll see if that works or not. Uh, we'll see if that works or not. Um, Butler is, by the way, Justin Yarbrough asking a question. Butler is a midterm enrollee for Texas. I don't think he's just going to stay after his official visit. Uh, but we'll check in with his dad and see what he has to say. I also want to mention this, the defensive line coach, Rod. Uh, we had a, a couple of comments on that um, as far as it uh, uh, relates to this whole situation. Um, I'm told that some names to watch for right now, Freddie Roach of Alabama, yep. Ed Orgeron, the former yes. LSU head coach, longtime defensive line coach. I know you like that name, Rod, yeah. and Zarnell Fitch. Uh, of uh, of uh, Texas Tech. He's formerly Gary Patterson's um, protege, defensive oh. line coach at TCU, went to when Gary got uh, let go at, at TCU. Uh, Fitch took the job with Joey McGuire at Texas Tech. Has had a good defensive line the last couple of years, uh, by the way. And then Frank Oakham, uh, who's now at uh, Toledo, obviously national champion Frank Oakham. Rod Wright, uh, defensive line assistant at the Houston Texans. And then another name to keep an eye on, Randall Joyner uh, from Ole Miss, uh, a possibility as well. Uh, so all of those guys to say they're in there. I did get uh, a text from one of the players uh, that is signed with Texas. And I think right now um, uh, they are uh, in a situation where they are waiting. They're positive they're going with Texas still, but they need to see who the defensive line coach will be. And I think that that's a fair assessment for just about anybody yeah uh, right rod i mean that makes these sense. Have their their kind of life not their livelihood but their future on the line it's, it makes sense but i don't think any of them are absolutely got to go right now uh melvin hills and deandre robinson are the out-of-state players alex january an in-state player mm -hmm. whose dad played at texas but did look at lsu where bo davis is now um it'll be interesting to see exactly who texas goes for at that defensive line coaching position, and it could have an impact on this situation. But as of right now, uh, nothing has happened uh, firmly in that regard. Yeah, I mean, you're you're around that assistant coach, that position coach more than you're around any other coach. Um, so just making sure that you guys have good rapport, that y'all get along, uh, that y'all are actually you know like minded in a lot of ways, uh, and have some some common. Uh, common ground, it does matter because uh, some coaches have a different style and you know, those styles, sometimes they're uh, a little bit off-putting to some guys. Some guys don't like the certain coaching style of other coaches and coaches are just teachers um, and they're teachers you didn't like, I'm sure. <laughs> didn't mean they weren't great teachers, uh, but yeah, different styles, I think, uh, matter in, in that regard. So I can understand why the, the, the guys definitely want to wait to make sure that the coach they hire is at least someone that they approve of. Yeah, I, I think that's all fair. Yeah, I mean, I would. why wouldn't it? Smart. Right? It's why smart. wouldn't it? Be? Yeah, yeah, smart. <laughs> all right, we're gonna take your questions. Uh, talk about the, the portal. Talk a little football recruiting. Talk anything and everything you want. Texas coaches on the road today. Sark already out and about. Uh, AJ Billwee's out and about. We've uh, CJ Vogel. RCJ Vogel is out and about. Also, uh, he's at Cibolo Steel right now. Uh, and apparently, they said uh, no. Some coaches are here right now. Uh, we don't know if that's Steve Sarkeesian, but uh, at least AJ Milwee is in the house at Cibolo Steel. So AJ or CJ is waiting to, for that the college coaches to go out so he can go in, interview some players, 
uh, meet with the high school coaches as well. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. If we hear anything specific from CJ during this, we'll obviously uh, have some news for you you guys as well. Uh, Rod, you ready to take a, a few questions here and try to yeah, uh, talk good. a little bit about it? It looks like um, Alabama, just from the what I'm hearing, um, Chris Lowe, who is the one that reported Nick Saban was retiring, is now reporting that Alabama is in negotiations with Kalen DeBoer. Okay. Uh, right. I know Washington was trying to make a last go at this. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what that means uh, and where where things ha head. Uh, but Kalen DeBoer uh, apparently in negotiations with Alabama. DeBoer, of course, is his agent is none other than Jimmy Sexton, who was also, guess what, Nick Saban's agent, Steve Sar Sarkeesian's agent, uh, wow. and, and Mike Norvell's agent. I mean, made, I don't know what his agency fee is for these head coaches, but wow. those are all, you know, seven digit raises for all of those coaches. Jimmy Sexton doing his job this week. He's a sure. real kingmaker. He's a real kingmaker around here, man, behind the scenes. Well, well <laughs> I think, like, look, ultimately, Nick Saban was going to decide who got this job um, in many ways, but Nick Saban couldn't make people take the job. He couldn't make Steve Sarkeesian take the job. Steve Sarkeesian wanted to stay at Texas. He could offer the job, um, but – you know, long story short, Sark wanted to stay at Texas, and, and that's what ended up happening. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how Kalen DeBoer, who's never coached in the Deep South, no. fares in the in the SEC. I will say this. You know, he had never coached in the Big Ten before when he went to be the offensive coordinator at Indiana, and he did a whale of a job there. He had never coached in the Pac-12 before, went to be the head coach at Washington, did a whale of a job there. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, Alabama fans not happy about this, actually. Yeah. I, is it just me, or would you call them crazy? Yeah, I may have wanted Sark more, or I may have wanted, uh, I don't know, Dabo mm -hmm. Sweeney, the the anointed, you know, child of, of Gene Stallings. Yeah, heir apparent kind of guy, yeah. yeah. I, I may have won all this, but can you imagine being disappointed if Kalen divorced your head coach? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Yeah, but that's it, honestly that to me that really is a microcosm of what you're going to deal with i mean this guy is what 104 and 12 as a coach he's 12 and 2 versus top 25 teams he's the fastest rising star right now in coaching in college coaching no there's nobody that's a faster rising star than kid do one coach of the year this year and there are gonna be some bama fans they don't like it. I'm like, nah, uh, I'm, un, I'm, une I'm a little uneasy about it. They don't like it because the expectations are so immense. <clears throat> They're so monstrous there. You can win You can win 10 games at Alabama. Next season, Kim DeWolf can win 10 games. He can win 10 games two years in a row and, and still be on the hot seat in fans' minds because they would win championships. I mean, 10 wins just ain't enough. And that's to me, I think, why you know there would be some reluctance. Like, man, that's, that's that's those are immense expectations following the goat. And I don't know if you could ever. That's why people don't like to follow legends. I don't know if you can ever live up to that. And that, unfortunately, that's going to leave the fans with unrealistic expectations. They're not going to be rational. They're not going to be reasonable about this thing, <laughs> like they should be. Um, like I said, he, I think he's going to go in there and have success immediately. I mean, it's one of the top five best rosters in the country. 
I mean, he's this is a situation where, like, kind of Bob Stoops leaving it to Lincoln Riley. You know, he is leaving this coach with a ton of way more talent than Caleb DeBoer has ever had in his coaching uh, career. So, if you combine that with a coach who definitely has, um, you know, the ability to give you early results, um, early return on your investment, because he's won everywhere he's been and he's won immediately everywhere he's been. And Washington took him like two years and he got that thing turned around and got them in the, in the uh, winning in the right direction at the longest winning streak in the country prior to losing to Michigan. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, to me, I, I think it's a home run hire. I love Kellen DeBoer. I just don't know if he's going to win. I don't know if he's going to go undefeated and be a one loss team for the next two, three years. And if he's not, Alabama fans will be talking nonsense about how, man, I don't know if he's the right guy. Like he's a, he's a hell of a coach. I don't know how you can say that, but you know, that's when you're a prisoner of excellence, which whoever takes that job will be because of the excellence of one Nick Saban, dude, it's, it could be trouble. I mean, that, that could, that could, that could really, as a coach, I, I can understand how that could mess with your psyche and your confidence as a coach when you're all about winning games and winning double digit games, is a huge accomplishment for any coach. And yet it wouldn't be enough there. Remember, ask Mac Brown about it. And Mac Brown got to the point where he was winning 10 games and Longhorn fans were like, man, Mac, Mac just don't know. He can't win big games. Like Mac just, he can't beat, he can't beat Bob Soups, can't beat Oklahoma, can't win big games. We was winning 11 games and we considered a disappointment. I remember those years. And and y'all were right. I think low and fans were right to have to be disappointed because we didn't beat Oklahoma in those 11 win years, my last two years. And we lost in a big 12 title game. Should, and we lost out on any BCS uh, opportunities. That's on us for not winning the big games. But damn, think about that. Think about 11 wins not being enough. Like that's that's a disappointing season. I remember. But that's, that's when you push the standard to where Nick Saban has it, where at least Mac had it at its peak where I mean, 11 wins. Sorry, Mac. I need you to check more boxes than that. You got to beat the rival also get 11 wins, but beat the rival and win the conference and play and be in the, the postseason championship series, whatever that may be. Like that's a lot of boxes to check and fans are, they're fanatical. That's the point of it. I, I think that you're right. Following, following Nick Saban is going to be, as big as following Daryl Royal, as big as following Mac Brown, if not bigger. Bigger. I mean, six national champions championships, and you're considered the greatest of all time. Imagine that. I mean, bigger. they're not going to be happy with 10 wins in Tuscaloosa. Nope. I mean, they expect the national championship every every third year, maybe every <laughs> second year. I mean, seriously. I mean, that's not even. I mean, it's not even close, uh, really. So I, I get it uh, right now. It's it's one of those things that we all got to watch out for. Uh, Justin Yarbrough here with a super chat. Uh, have you heard of the hiring of the off-the-field assistant, Bobby? And what do you think timeline of hiring a D-line coach might be? Uh, so I think the timeline for a D-line coach might be as soon as this coming week. I think Texas wants to figure that out uh, and have that so that when – Players like DeAndre Robinson, Melvin Hills, and of course, Alex January uh, show up. They know who their head coach is going to be and have had those conversations. Um, we'll see what that exactly means, uh, but that's the timeline that I would understand. As far as the off-the-field assistant, there are a number of guys out there that are possibilities for off-the-field assistants. One of mm -hmm. them already has been hired out of uh, Oregon State, Brendan Huffert. How far? I don't know how to say it exactly. You part uh, with a PH. Uh, he is one of them. There's also others that may be there as well that are a special assistant to the head coach. Rod and I have, have pontificated that one of them might be a, a friend that we both have in common. Uh, mm -hmm. but we're going to leave his name out of it at this point in time. Uh, <laughs> and so that comes to pass potentially. Uh, so, you know, there are a lot of things going on behind the scenes. Uh, keep in mind a couple of names uh, that people don't realize. Joey Thomas, uh, Joey Thomas, Payam Sadat, uh, and Jeff Choate all went, and Jaquez Smith all went with Jeff Choate to Nevada. Okay. okay? Yeah. Henry Fernandez was an off-field assistant that not many people at Texas even knew existed, but he was an off-field assistant for the defensive line. He just took a job at New Mexico State. Okay? Uh, there is a, a director of player personnel guy that was an assistant to Billy Glasscock 
that just took the director of player personnel at NC State this week. Mm. Okay. There are not just three or four guys that move around every year. A lot of these under assistants move when they have opportunities. Uh, so please, I think Austin Shelton's his name that went to uh, NC State. So all of these are turnover jobs kind of. So expect yep. that to happen would be my uh, conversational fact there. Uh, just great way of the world. All right. Uh, let's, let's talk about this because I think a lot of people were upset, uh, at least internally, that they had some angst over this, uh, Rod. What do you think about this? Maybe from Jesse D., Maybe I'm too old school, but the fact we had to worry at all about Sark taking the Bama job makes me upset. Whatever happened to the Mac Browns, where a winning Texas coach is a Texas coach? What do you think, Rod? Um, that's a great point. Uh, so you're talking about loyalty, which I'll admit in today's era of sports, college sports specifically, you don't see too much loyalty, right? Look at coaches in a way that look at what Lincoln Riley did to Oklahoma. Hell, Bob Stoops was still upset about it. He's like, hey, man, I gave you that job so you can retire there. It's a destination job. Nobody leaves Oklahoma to go take another job. Well, he did. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, that. look at Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame because he's like, no, nah, I want more. I want access to more talent, more resources, leaving Notre Dame. You leave Notre Dame back in, back in the day. That's one of those jobs you forced him to fire you. You know what I mean, says, that's a that's a pine box or parade job, man. That's it. That's the only way I'm leaving. And no, guys are leaving those shops now. And so it's just we're just in a different era in that in terms of loyalty. Um, but you're right about uh, you know, Mac Brown. Mac Brown, obviously, different era, cut from a different cloth. And I don't think this is Sark. This is Bobby mentioned. This is Jimmy Sexton more than anything. Yeah, you know, marketing his client. They got Sark. I, I, Sark probably didn't even get a call. It was probably Jimmy texted him like, hey. Say Alabama's interested. What you what do you think? And Sark probably texted back, nah, we're good. We're good here. We're good. And you know, it probably wasn't much more than that. He he, he never got the offer because you don't get the offer unless you tell me you're interested. They're not gonna offer you unless you say, Yeah, you know what? I am interested. What's what's that offer? Let's start let's start the offer. I don't think Stanford got even to the offer because Sark wasn't interested. Um, but yeah, man, it's a different era. Transfer portal. I mean, you got players. Yeah, Texas going to the college football playoff and guys like, you know, leaving because they want to go pursue, you know, greener pastures and pursue other opportunities. And we totally, everybody gets it because we're just in a, a, another era where loyalty doesn't matter as much. And I'll say, I don't think it was Sark. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that on. So I think it's a Jimmy Sexton, Sark's agent, which is, he's doing his job. His job is to, hey, if there's a job opening like the Alabama job. Sark's name should come up because that's Jimmy Sexton's job to make sure it does. With all the analysts and all the insiders, Sark names comes up. And then, especially at this time, because he was already before the Nick Saban news, he was already getting ready to negotiate a contract. So it wasn't like Sark was holding their you know, feet to the fire. Like, hey, man, I want to do this. Go give me money. He was already going to get a contract extension. He was in the process of it. Now, this might have made CDC rethink the figure. <laughs> you know, CDC and Jay Hart, so might have had to, oh, you know what, we were going to go in with seven and a half. We might go in with nine this time. Let's go in with nine. Just make sure we're all good. So they might have rethought the figure, but they were going to give him the contract that he deserved, by the way, that he earned, by the way. Um, and so I don't t- don't think it's Sark. It's Jimmy Sexton, but I at this point, I get you. They're basically, they're working together, and you just don't like the new era of college sports, and trust me, it is a, it's a shady CD era, and I'll throw this out there. Listen, Deion Sanders, and and you might not like Deion either, but uh, Eli Drinkowitz too. He was on with uh, 790 in H Town, like on. He was on doing a radio interview at the time the Nick Saban news was was announced and broke. And his first his first reaction, I'm paraphrasing, was, um, "We're ruining a great game." Um, and he, he basically got upset about. He started talking about the the changing landscape the unchecked NIL and the unchecked transfer portal uh, world that we live in now. And so I talked about how that kind of, he implied it chased uh, an aging Nick Saban out of it. Like, nah, man, this, this job is way different than I thought. And, and Dion just flat out said it. Dion just flat out said it in a tweet that that chased Nick Saban out of it in that way. It's just, it's a, we're just living in a drastically different world of college sports than we're used to. And I, we're not going back. It ain't going back. And I don't know if loyalty will ever be 
valued in the way that it once was, unfortunately. That's one of those traits and values that when is we're never gonna have it again. I think that's and that that's part of it. Professionalism seeped into it, guys. Yeah. Big dollars seeped into it. It was one thing when a, a big salary for a college coach was one hundred thousand dollars a year. I mean, I remember the I mean, believe it or not, I remember those days. Six figures, huh? Yeah, six figures was a big salary for a college head coach. That's not that. I mean, that's in my lifetime, right? I'm only 54. It's not like I'm, you know, 95. I mean, yep. that that's I remember those times. And I will say this. Um, it's also a, a different time for the players. Yes, it is. Image, image and likeness. And so all of that uh, mixed into one soup makes a different game altogether. And money um, is the root of all evil, according to some people. <laughs> But but it's also the way to it's the path forward for a lot of people. It right? is to no doubt. take care of their families, and so uh, I look at it and I remember those hundred thousand dollar coaches, and now mm -hmm. I hear today that the number on uh, uh, Mike Norvell at Florida State eight or ten million a year for eight years, so <laughs> eighty million, eighty million, and this is a guy that had I think two consecutive losing seasons to start his career at Florida State. Hey. Now, admittedly, that program is on the rise, just like Steve Sarkeesian has the Texas program. Yes, on sir. The but think about that. Damn. That's a lot of that's a lot of I, wampum. In a, in a year time frame, what stock is great? I guess Apple has gained that yeah. much, you know. Or oh, yeah, something. Apple and like Google or something. But yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll say this, Bobby, I'll say this. Every time I see those numbers, I'm going to regret not going into coaching a little bit earlier. <laughs> and I'll say this. I still may decide to go into it as, as an old man. Just to get Because I'm just trying to get to six figures. I, ain't, I, don't, I don't need to get to a million. I'm just trying to get to a good half a million. I can, I can probably do that at Tulane. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, them numbers right there make you rethink your life choices, Bobby. Hey, uh, by the way, uh, Isaiah Bond, I mentioned it before that he had not. I wasn't sure if he had been uh, put into the portal. He now is officially in the portal, and Horns, excuse me, Bama twenty four seven is reporting that he is expected to visit Texas over the weekend. I did not have that name on my list earlier today. The three that I had coming in uh, were Kendrick Blackshear, the linebacker out of Alabama, uh, Silas Bolden, the wide receiver out of uh, Oregon State, and Aaron Butler, the high school player out of Calabasas, California. Those three uh, expected to visit Texas this weekend. If Isaiah Bond comes to Texas this quickly, uh, you know, mm. look, Texas is clearly making its case to be the attractive spot for uh, major college transfers, like major ones. I mean, is Isaiah Bond as good as Evan Stewart, if not better, in your opinion? Is he, I mean, is he, is he oh. as good as Xavier Worthy? Is he better than Xavier Worthy? Where would you put Isaiah Bond up there, Rod? from what you've seen of him. Uh, I know you haven't done a deep dive on Alabama per se, but but what would you think of him as a receiver? Before I put him above an X-Men and even honestly kind of the the raw the raw traits of a an Evan Stewart because he's I, I he's got that kind of burst, that kind of ex explosion, explosivity if you will. Um yeah, I think he's up there with it has those those type of traits as those guys. Um, what do you have? 45 receptions last year, or something like that. I, I think in a pass, a more sophisticated passing offense like Texas, because I don't think Alabama's offense passing wise was that sophisticated. I mean, they, they threw a lot of deep balls pretty much. And Jalen Milrow's strength is the deep ball. Um, <clears throat> but it is not like a Steve Sarkeesian passing game, pro style West Coast passing game with modern progressive cheat codes kind of built in, uh, with a high level quarterback like a Quinn Ewers. Who you know, as you point out, Bobby, all the time, he's got the skill set to be a one-one if it all comes together perfectly, right? If he can all, if he can reach his ceiling as a player, he's a one-one kind of guy. And they didn't have that, so if you project to put a guy like Isaiah Bond in an offense, more sophisticated passing offense, with a, uh, an offensive mind like Sark, they can scheme him open. Where they upgrade at quarterback too, just from a passing game sense. I know both of them have. I think the tied for the, the lead, at least the, the best odds to win the Heisman for 2024. But we're just talking about the passing game right now. 
then I think you could project that he could be a guy as productive as an Xavier Worthy if he was featured in that way. I'm not sure he's going to be featured in that way, but productivity-wise, yeah, he, can, he he projects to be a guy like that in a, in a Sark offense. Mm. I, just, I just think of downfield uh, ability and uh, touchdown-making yeah. uh, ability. I was looking at his, his stats, uh, and look – Four touchdowns this year, uh, receiving uh, 668 yards, uh, 13.9 receptions. Uh, The thing that I would say about him, uh, you mentioned explosivity. Uh, I think he is explosive. Yeah, he is. Um, And he's also that hard-nosed player that I like. Uh, He's almost, in in that way, I feel like he's almost like Jay Witt in that he's got a little – you know what I mean in him? Yeah. Um, not saying that Adonai Mitchell and, and Xavier Worthy don't. Jay Witt also did a lot of the dirty work. Isaiah Bond's body build is much more like Jay Witt's than it is Mitchell's or Worthy's. That's so he can good. mix it up a little bit different. Um, like it's also it, it's it's also a, a thicker one than Jonte Cook or Matthew Golden. For example, that's a good point. And you know what? We were talking, I was talking about this with CJ, and CJ uh, made a good point about it. You know, replacing Jay Witt as a blocker is really, I mean, he does a lot of the dirty work in the passing game. Your, your SWAT, your, your short screens and the tags on the RPOs. And, you know, he's the guy that, you know, they, they bring in motion. They want to run those little slip screens with him. They do a lot of that with him and underneath stuff, the short game stuff, extensions of the running game, pretty much. Oh, long handoffs. But the blocking, if you go watch Sark, there'll sometimes he'll go with 12 personnel. He'll take he'll take X-Men or AD Mitchell off the field and just keep Jay Witt in there because he knows now nah, we're gonna run the rock. And Jay Witt as a blocker is the best blocker, blocking wide receiver in the Big 12. And he'll motion him down where he's cracking down on a linebacker, or he'll motion him into the backfield and make him a part of the, the run blocking in the backfield. I mean, he's done that a lot with Jay Witt. He trusts Jay Witt as a blocker. And they don't have a wide receiver that kind of translates to be a guy that can block like Jay Witt. And I don't know. I got to go watch some film on Isaiah Bond. You made me start thinking about it with his build and his stature, 5'11", you know, 185, around that. Maybe he is a guy that can be a receiver to do that blocking on those wide receiver screens, those RPOs out to the perimeter. I mean, Jay Witt was really your – he was kind of the lifeblood of it because he was usually the lead blocker in a lot of those scenarios. Remember, A.D. Mitchell wasn't even an, an enthusiastic blocker early on in the season. It took him a while to get to it, and then he was executing a lot better blocking. But blocking wide receivers a bit in Sark's offense with all the, the quick game screens that he throws out to the perimeter to the outside. Yeah, here's from David Williams. Bobby, I don't think Isaiah Bond is physically bigger than Matthew Golden. I don't think there is a huge difference in their size. But I do think Golden might be 10 pounds heavier. He's also two inches or three inches taller. Um, I'm talking about their lower body build. If you all can really think about what I'm talking about here. You know how yeah. some receivers just are slender throughout? I mean, frankly, yeah. Ed Nye <laughs> yeah, Mitchell and Xavier Worthy are those two guys. Whereas Jordan Whittington's a little bit more apportioned. That's kind of what I'm talking about. That's that's the difference, David, that I, I'm trying to get at. Uh for everybody to understand. Uh, all right. I uh, have some more questions here uh, to take and uh, wanted to talk about this. Uh, this from George Lopez, George, I appreciate all the great work y'all do provide hook em, horns, George. Thank you for the super chat and hook them as well. Uh, Texas fan in Sooterland, Bobby, it was great meeting you at Manning's. Our photo is going <laughs> up in the man cave. All right. Nice. Let's have Make it. Make a man cave. That's uh, a hey, all about, look at Rod's man cave behind him. He's got his own Jersey back there. <laughs> uh, to pay attention otf so our bond isaiah bond and ryan williams both going to be on campus this weekend bond could be it sounds like it i'm not sure yet we haven't we can't report that personally ryan williams is actually going to be at texas a&m this weekend kj lacy his high school quarterback has a seven on seven tournament in austin this weekend or in the austin area this weekend so his high school quarterback will be Ryan was expected to be in college station for an official visit with the Aggies. So not both. Maybe he, Hey, you know what? Maybe he flies into Austin and drives over to college. Station. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they don't have a big enough airport there in college station. All right. Uh, this one from Jay Wilson, get your thoughts on this. 
uh, uh, Rod. Uh, hey, Rod B., how about this mm. for pass rush unit? Trey Moore and Ethan Burke at DE and Alfred Collins and Jeray Bledsoe at defensive tackle. What do you think? Oh, I like that. Yeah, kind of your NASCAR package, right? Just put your best pass rushes on the field in predictable passing situations. Jay Wilson, I love that. I do. And I don't know if the young Colin Simmons shows that he can just straight up rush the pass. He's a natural pass rusher like we think. Hell, man, you can throw him in the mix, too, in that kind of NASCAR package. And don't forget, Sark said Anthony Hill is his best pass rusher, at least last season, along with Byron Murphy. And Byron Murphy, man, he really is a, a really uniquely gifted pass rushing D tackle if you actually started watching film on him, because I was watching some film on him uh, earlier this week. But anyway, but I digress. I totally agree with you. You can put teams in more predictable passing situations. Man, Trey Moore along with Alfred Collins, Ethan Burks. I think Ethan Burks got some natural pass rushing skills too. Um, and let's see if Baron Sorrell's got something to say about that, right? Let's see if he can make more splash. But I think people are starting to see Baron Sorrell as just a run-stopping, assignment-sound defensive end. And I think he needs to change that narrative. He's got to shatter that narrative and show that now. Yeah, I'm a Simon Sound. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, you know, I take care of my job. I do what I got to do. But also, I can make splash plays. Um, so I, I think you see some guys like Ethan Burke and Dre and uh, you know Dre Bledsoe, you know, and Baron Sorrell take their pass rushing game to the next level, especially with the loss of Sweat and Murphy, who were guys that would either collapse the pocket from the inside or were able to rush the pass or create pressure from the inside. Um, it's saying people are saying that uh, Kalen DeBoer has been uh, has oh. been uh, named as the head coach or will be named as the head coach Ooh. now. Uh, it's, it's amping up. I, obviously, I can't yeah. monitor that and uh, take care of the chat at the same time. But I'm seeing that, and thank y'all for those of you guys posting in here uh, and letting us know of things going on uh, as I'm we uh, know this. I will say that uh, Steve Sarkeesian was absolutely uh, approached for this job. So this is not news in any way. He absolutely was approached for the job. Uh, we'll see exactly what that means and what the result of it is for his contract extension at the University of Texas. I, I think it's going to be possibly the largest contract ever for a University of Texas football coach. So let's get prepared for yeah. that to uh, be a reality. Not really a surprise, uh, but a no. reality. Uh, this one from Ancient Drummer. Would Ed Orgeron, a natty winning high head coach, Consider taking a seeming demotion to defensive line coach. Here's the deal. He wants to coach football. Money doesn't matter to him anymore. He got $17 million walking out the door. He inquired about being a defensive line coach at Florida less than a couple – back when Billy Napier took that job. So he just wants to coach ball maybe. That's the only way this happens. It doesn't happen because he wants a gazillion dollars or wants some big title. Ed Orgeron decides whether or not he wants to coach ball again or not. I will say my gut is he's a lifer. I know he's been enjoying his time being out there and stuff, but he hasn't been really a personality that's been on the media circuit. You know what I mean? No. Like he didn't get a now that may be because he his dialect is so or his, his accent is so strong. He's hard to to put into those those scenarios. He's been on talk shows and stuff like that, but he hasn't been a media guy. And the reason why that is, is because I think in his gut, he's a football guy. And so like that. that's where I'm at. And I do think like he's been, he's had uh, opportunities and been in the pros. I think he is a guy and, and Rod and I were talking about this prior to, to us going on today. He's a guy that connects with college kids. I really mm -hmm. believe that Rod talked about it and Rod's word for him was energy. Great energy. You know, some yeah. guys just bring a certain energy to the game that I think is meaningful in the college game. Ed Orgeron is one of those guys, Rod. Totally agree with you. <clears throat> and it, it does. It translates with young people. And I'm, I, I I like what you said about him. He, he's, he's a ball coach, wants to be around ball. And you're starting to see that more and more, right? We talked about that with Gary Patterson. Like Gary Patterson, you know, he wants to be around ball. So he becomes the, you know, the – a special assistant to the head coach so he can just be around the game. And, you know, that's the guy that is, gonna, is a Hall of Fame coach that decided, no, I just want to be around ball for a while. I miss it. And I think Edo's the same way. And usually guys will do that, like you said, through being a 
broadcast analysts. They'll let you on those shows. They got plenty of them to talk ball. And he's accomplished enough where his resume speaks for itself. And yet he hasn't done that, maybe for other reasons. Um, but yeah, his energy translates, man. And it's great in recruiting. Like that's that high energy that he has. It it and it's authentic, by the way. It's real. Um, it translates in recruiting. And he's a great recruiter. Matter of fact, he was the first name I brought up to you. We had our first, I think we had our first live stream that we did post, you know, the Bo Davis news. And I said, man, what is Edo doing? What is that dude doing? Go find out. Because I wanted the same thing, Ancient Drum. I said, man, I wonder if he'll even take it. You know, he wants to be, a, you know, he's a, this is a guy that's been at the top of the mountain. National championship winning head coach. Would he take just being a position coach again? And you just made me feel really good about, yeah, he would. Because he just wants to be around ball, and it's not about money for him. Got plenty of that. Um, but I've talked to these coaches. I've, t- you know, you you've talked to a lot of coaches too, uh, Bobby. They are bored, sitting at home doing nothing. They are. They're 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 built. They're they're just built different. All right. They they cut from a different cloth DNA. These guys are task oriented, and they're used to being up at the crack of dawn, breaking down film and doing things, and then they're used to working late in hours to accomplish a goal. Uh, task oriented. And when you take that away from them, a lot of them, man, they just want to get back to that regimen. They want to get back to uh, that focus every day and they miss it. Uh, they miss being around the team. They miss the camaraderie. And I think he might be one of those guys. Hell, I miss it. <laughs> I think they all do when that time is up. So I think, I think you're right about Edo. Yeah. I, I, I think that certain guys are just meant to be in that, in that uh, setting uh, and meant to, to promote that kind of stuff. So it looks like uh, Kellen DeBoer, uh, we'll be there. Uh, we got CJ Vogel coming in with us here in a second, Rod. Uh, CJ, you how you doing, man? Good, guys. I'm, I'm hoping uh, this camera angle and audio work well enough. I'm sitting in the car. I just left uh, Cibola Steel down here. So uh, a lot going on right now. I, I know we're jumping right into the mix with everything going on in college football. Well, So who were the coaches over at Cibola Steel when you were there today? I, I, you texted me saying you had to wait outside for some coaches to leave. Yeah, Texas. There was Texas representation here. It was Coach AJ Milwee. Uh, and I, I think Sarkeesian was expected. I don't think he actually made it in, uh, but Coach AJ Milwee was uh, on campus here at Steel. Steel has a ton of talent. Uh, a couple of receivers uh, that will be making their way up to the Texas Junior Day next week as well. Uh, but so far, I mean, uh, a pretty good representation for Texas. Yep, yeah, interesting. Uh, Texas. This is their Central Texas Day. We've talked about that. Explain what that means to uh, maybe the listeners that don't understand what we're talking about there for uh, high school recruiting. Yeah, Texas is uh, able to get back out on the recruiting trail for their staff, get out there, kind of reestablish some of those relationships on the trail with high school coaching staffs and, and obviously the top talent out here. Texas is taking care of their backyard. And that's been a kind of a question mark and a red flag and some concerns with prior staffs. Texas is ensuring that right now it is not going to be an issue under Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, Texas is all over the place. Uh, Bastrop, Maynard, Lake Travis, Westlake, uh, all over the central Texas area, going up to Waco Connolly and Lake Belton, where that was a a, a pretty heavily uh, recruited area under the last cycle as well. And then clearly today down here in, in San Antonio, up here in Steele, that's exactly the the exact case as as. You know, I just mentioned the coach AJ Milby up here as well. Uh, let me ask you this: uh, the the players at Steel, the player at Brandeis, the wide receiver. You mentioned two of them visiting Texas uh, in a couple of weeks. We I've got a list of over fifty players across the state of Texas are set for that January twentieth Junior Day. You've got a list that's even more than that. Do you, are you? In, I'm just including twenty twenty four class of twenty twenty five commit uh, recruits. I think you're talking about 2026 and 2027 players that are highly recruited as well. Yeah, I, I think uh, there was a couple names added today in that 2026 class, up to about 15 by my count. Uh, 2027, I know that there's a quarterback coming in, uh, one that, you know, Texas won't be having a lot of quarterbacks on campus next week. So uh, it's clear Steve Sarkeesian is seeing something in that 2027 prospect up there as well. I think Jeff Underwood is the name. Uh, but yes. Two wide receivers from Cibolo Steel down here, uh, Royal Capel and then uh, Jalen Cooper, two guys that Texas is starting to take a look at as they go through their junior day or the, the sorry, their their Central Austin Day uh, excursions throughout the state of Texas. They are stopping in on 
and not leaving any stone unturned down here, but, you know, two really talented guys. And I wouldn't be, you know, surprised to eventually see a visit from 2026 Cibolo Steel running back uh, Jonathan Hatton as well, who's currently committed to Oklahoma. Uh, but that is someone that Texas might, you know, start chipping around in the next cycle as well uh, as Shard Choice really starts, uh, you know, getting his numbers right for the 26th cycle. Got one more question for you, then we'll let you go. I know you're busy and need to get to another school here, CJ. Uh, the, the thought process, KJ Lacey coming in this weekend. Uh, you're going to be covering him at a seven-on-seven tournament. Tell people a little bit where about where that's at, et cetera. Yeah, it's a, it's a pylon seven-on-seven tournament, one of the big ones down here in the state. It'll be down in Lockhart, Texas, which I just you know learned a, a few minutes ago. is actually not too far from where I'm at now out at Steel, but about 45 minutes southeast uh, of Austin. So he'll be able to easily um, transport, you know, move back and forth from uh, the airport to the tournament, back up to campus for a, a, a quick stop prior to his visit again two weeks from now with, with Ryan uh, Williams that same weekend. So a lot going on for KJ Lacey, two trips to Austin and two that will really, you know, help alleviate some of the uh, outer noise and concerns in terms of holding on to his verbal pledge if you're the Texas staff. Well, the fact that you didn't know, I got to say this, I'm a little disappointed, CJ, but you're going to get, you'll, you'll grow and you'll get older, okay? Terry Black's Barbecue in Lockhart, okay? That's all I'm going to tell you. Mm-hmm. I'll give it a try. Okay. Best barbecue in the state, probably in, in the city of Lockhart. There's one. Just put that out there. You need to stop by. You need to tell the local. You need to tell the Pilot on 7 on 7 tournament people. This is where they need to go. I'm just I'm in. all right. All right. Hey, CJ, you all be right. good, bud. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for stopping by and uh, best of luck to you. Okay. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, uh, hey, uh, CJ, uh, they're giving us the latest and greatest uh, on the road, uh, on the recruiting trail. Kalen DeBoer, uh, the news yeah. leader right now, the next head coach at the University yep. of Alabama. Steve Sarkeesian staying put at Texas. That news broke late last night with a tweet from Steve Sarkeesian followed by a tweet by his wife, followed by a follow-up from the president of the university responding to that tweet, uh, all in good situation, good good uh, information for the Longhorns. All right, uh, before we get to our last little round of questions, I, I want to say thank you uh, to our sponsor uh, on Friday's live stream. That sponsor is none other than Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, if you're looking to leave the corporate rat race, start a new business in the new year, Andy Ludicky is who you want to call, uh, especially if you're interested in the franchise game. Visit MyPerfectFranchise.net, email him at I'm Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net, or call him 404-973-9901. That's 404-973-9901. Again, that's Andy Ludicky. Uh, all right, uh, I want to do a reset a little bit for people that have just joined us from when we started we had about 250 people on. Now we got like 750. Want to make sure everybody knows Texas is expecting at least three official visitors now. I feel comfortable in saying uh, Kendrick Blackshear, linebacker, Alabama, Silas Bolden, wide receiver, Oregon State, Aaron Butler, wide receiver, high school player out of Calabasas, California, that's already signed with Texas. It's supposed to be his official visit this weekend. There are reports out there from Alabama's 24-7 site that the Longhorns are expected to get an official visit from Isaiah Bond, the leading wide receiver for Alabama this past year, caught a touchdown, long touchdown, against the Longhorns uh, uh, in in Tuscaloosa this past year, uh, considered a deep threat. He apparently just put his name into the portal. That entry into the portal is now official and public, and he is potentially visiting the Longhorns this weekend. We talked about that. We also talked about uh, the potential of defensive line coaches, Ed Orgeron, Zarnell Fitch, Freddie Roach, Randall Joyner, some of the names I'm hearing. Uh, Waiting to see, uh, we talked about Rod Wright and Frank Oakham. Well, the defensive line coach for the Houston Texans is also Chris Kiffin. Uh, He, of course, is Lane Kiffin's brother. And there's a strong tie between uh, Steve Sarkeesian and Lane Kiffin. All of those names. I hadn't heard Chris Kiffin until someone mentioned it in this chat, hmm. but I, I do know that Orgeron, Roach, and Fitch are somewhere in there. Now, I'm not saying they're going to get the job, any of them, 
but somewhere in there, possibility. Uh, Rod, what, what are your thoughts right now on uh, this overall uh, and this entire process of what's going on at Texas right now? Because it has been just one thing after another. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, where where things stand right now, it just seems like the calendar for coaches is, <laughs> right? It, it, there's always a lot going on. There's, there's really no downtime for the coaches anymore. Um, and you see that now with the way the transfer pool is set up. Uh, now you got to worry about the cycles of the coaching hirings and firings and how it affects every staff, and it will affect Texas too. But um, I think it just shows you Texas is in a really good place. Um, because the reason that you're worried about your coaches leaving is because you assemble the great staff and teams want to replicate what you're doing, or they want that they covet the coaches you already have on your staff because they're really good for promotions, uh, for positions that are um obviously considered for them a better opportunity, or like in the boat in the sense of Bo Davis, as Sark said, he's the best defensive line coach in the country. And there's you know, LSU that was trying to poach him and successfully did. And I know a lot of Longhorn fans were paranoid about it. And we just talked about the, the different candidates that are going to replace him. But guys, that's a, you know, that's a first world problem um, because that's because Sark did a great job assembling the staff. Um, he's got guys on the staff that are coveted for other positions and for positions that are higher up uh, in football staff. So I think it's a really good sign for Texas. The only good sign that Sark's about to get paid a lot of money. Uh, we don't know what the dollar figure is. But he's getting paid a lot of money because he uh, not only proved himself, but he exceeded expectations. Uh, and the program is ahead of schedule. Now, the timing is great for Jimmy Sexton and company that Sark's the contract negotiation also happens to coincide with the GOAT Nick Saban stepping down and retiring. And then a lot of the talk is that Sark's one of the prime candidates or should have been one of the prime candidates to replace Nick Saban. And uh, I'm with you. I figured that that was a short phone call or a short conversation and maybe even a text that um, Sark did not even entertain the idea of going back to Alabama because of what he's built already here at Texas. And even Joe Klatt said he had the opportunity to follow Nick Saban. And he, he said Nick Saban actually wanted Sark to be his successor. And uh, they Sark chose Texas because nobody turns down the job at the University of Texas. Um, but if Sark really wanted that job and really wanted to follow Nick Saban at Alabama and be the head coach, there was a path. And I think that's the point that Joe Class made. There was a path there. Um, and Sark didn't take that path. Sark wanted to build something on his own, wanted to build, um, you know, something that could add to his legacy. Not saying he didn't, you know, want to be a part of what Nick Saban built, but I think he wanted to bet on himself and he wanted to build his own legacy. And what he's done here at Texas in the first three years has been unbelievable. I mean, it's pretty extraordinary what he's done so far. And why would he leave that to go, you know, to kind of put his legacy on the shoulders of Nick Saban's goatness? I don't see that. I think Sark is a guy that he sees himself as a guy who potentially could be one of the great all-time coaches in college football. Um, and Texas is going to give him all the resources to be able to accomplish that. So I, I was never worried about him leaving. I know some fans were. I'm not knocking that. But once you're at Texas, you don't leave Texas. Danny Davis pointed that out uh, in his piece with the Statesman, right? It's been 117 years as a coach, willingly left the University of Texas for another head football coaching job. It's just, it's not one of those jobs you leave once you get it. You know, guys want to, they want to retire from that job and doesn't usually happen. That's a hard job because the expectations are so high. Um, but I wasn't worried about Texas you know, having to deal with Sarkeesian leaving Texas for a better opportunity right now because of what he's done. I don't know if there's a better uh, job right now in college football, considering the place that Texas is in. Um, uh, and with the, with the current landscape changing NIL being the new law of the land the transfer portal being what it is now and how impactful it is with every university and attrition rates, you know, Texas is just in a really good place with all of those different uh, factors and variables being being considered. I uh, got a couple of things I want to say here um, before we got a couple more minutes here as well. Uh, I don't want people to forget about Jade Barron in this uh, conversation. Yeah. Uh, the de senior defensive back uh, nickel uh, could be deciding whether to stay or go pro uh, for next season. Uh, we're still waiting to hear back from that. Uh, I think we'll see exactly what that means uh, for Jade and his decision. I also want to mention this, defensive line recruiting. Um, don't forget, Texas signed three guys on the defensive line this year. 
Alex January, DeAndre Robinson, and Melvin Hills. Alex January talked to, uh, I got a text from Alex January's father, said, hey, look, we're taking it all in, waiting to see who Texas hires uh, from uh, as a defensive line coach. Uh, Some guys are upset. Obviously, that's the way this thing goes because they were told that Bo was going to be there. Bo told them he was going to be there, by the way. Um, And so I would not, I mean, I think we need to monitor those three defensive linemen in case anything were to happen interestingly there, uh, particularly the out-of-state guys. So Jade Barron and the defensive linemen are are guys that we need to be aware of right now and, and what's going on there. Uh, outside of uh, just this. All right, we've got a couple more, t- a couple minutes for more questions. Uh, this one is a nice comment from Edmund Lee. Wow, woke up to 34,000. That's right. We have 34,000 now followers on our YouTube channel. Thank you, Thank guys. You, thanks, Longhorn fans everywhere. Uh, thanks for relating the truth, good and bad. Keep up the super effort, OTF team and Hook'em Horns. We appreciate you, Edmund. Uh, I think you've been a listener Amen, just about day one. Brandon Rolstein, in this day and age, Sark is a guy that we really need to appreciate, I think. His patient, his patience is a true strength when it comes to molding a staff and finding key players in the portal. And I would add this, and being patient in recruiting. I mean, mm. seriously. I mean, he is willing to wait to the very end on key recruits. That's true. It's a good point. The midnight hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, you're right about that. It, it, uh, recruit to the whistle. Is that the, uh, yeah, the term? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they do that very well. Yeah, I, I think that anything like this where, Rob, we have to worry about Sark not being the right guy. I, I, I'm i not saying that I'm done with that conversation because you always – I mean, so what have you done late for me, lately for yeah. me in, co- in the coaching business? Look at Bill Belichick if you want yeah. to know that, you know. Um, so my take on it is a little bit different in that I think that I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about how he can improve day to day, piece by piece going forward. To me, that's the important part of the next year to two years as really as the roster grows up, as these top three recruiting classes get older, as hopefully he gets another. I mean, I got the list of the 2024s coming in or 2025s coming in uh, next week. He just has to keep adding on to it. That's how Nick Saban got to where he is. It wasn't just this one, you know, sea change that he got. He kept yep. going and going and going. And uh, it's it's incremental improvement. And all of a sudden you improve a little bit, 365 days a year, a little bit each day. You're looking up at a, a vastly different program 365 days later. Yep. And what I, what also we learned a lesson from Nick Saban, you know, if your program becomes the standard in college football, which Texas is hoping to become well on their way, teams and uh, programs and, um, and different organizations, institutions are going to come steal your coaches. They come poach your coaches uh, and your your support staff and your part uh, members of your administration. You brought this up earlier. There are lots of guys behind the scenes that contributed to Texas great season this year that won't be with them. They're moving on to other opportunities and like Nick Saban had to do year after year, you got to become really good at being able to replace those coaches and being able to uh, develop coaches too. And I think Sark's doing a really good job of that. Our early on in his tenure, he has shown that he has a pretty good track record early on of hiring the right coaches. That is really important. Nick Saban did it for a you know decade plus um, and did it at the highest levels and even found a way to find value with coaches. This is the beauty of Nick Saban. When he realized I can't keep replacing all of these elite coaches that I'm hiring that are going on to head coaching jobs, I can't keep replacing them with unproven commodities because I don't have time to develop those guys into being high level coaches. So what did he do? The Nick Saban coaching car wash. I'm going to take coaches all right, <laughs> who have all from grace, who have lost a little bit of their value, right? Lane Kiffins of the world. You know, Nick, uh, Steve Sarkeesian's of the world. Oh, you, you don't like these guys anymore because they're human and they made a couple of mistakes. That's okay. They're still damn good coaches. I'll put them through my coaching car wash. I'll get the value out of them because I need good coaches on my staff. And they'll win because they'll get the platform uh, and the access to the best athletes on the planet. And they get to learn from the GOATs. And then they can still go on their way. And they'll get poached like all of my other coaches. But I'll get to extract the value. And he's already said what Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian best uh, coordinators he's ever had on offense. Yeah. And that was because he decided to reinvent 
the, the, the coaching hiring, coaching acquisition method in a sense. And it was brilliant. It was brilliant. And now everybody does it now. Everybody does it. Crazy. All right. That's going to do it uh, for this afternoon's live stream brought to you by Andy uh, Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net. Don't forget, Andy, if you're looking uh, for to start a new business in the new year, give Andy a shout or email him at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, for Rod Babers, I'm Bur Bobby Burton. Thank you all, all for visiting with us today. Congratulations to Kalen DeBoer, the next head coach at the University of Alabama. It is not Steve Sarkeesian. For Rod, I'm Bobby. Hook them, guys. Have a good weekend. Hook them. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.